Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, I know I ended yesterday's show by saying we were going to discuss wildcard weekend and all four of the games coming up here, and we will certainly do that. But a couple of pieces of Packers news. We got news to take care of first and we'll begin with uh, a hearty congratulations to Packers veteran left tackle David Bakhtiari who for the fourth year in a row was named to the Associated Press All-Pro team he gets a second team honor this time the third time in the four years he's been a second team selection he was a first team selection a year ago and as we talked about on yesterday's show early in the season some uncharacteristic performances from him but the second half of the year in particular he has been the rock solid left tackle blindside protector as well as a heck of a run blocker this year I think too that uh, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and everybody associated with that offense has come to count on well I think when you actually break it down and when this thing is all said and done you're going to remember David Bakhtiari not only for being one of the best linemen in Packers history but also being one of the most athletic too and I think over the last two three seasons he's been able to show more and more of that and and get comfortable in those different aspects of the game so congratulations to him Ronnie Stanley had a fantastic year for Baltimore he was the first team winner and then Bakhtiari came in on the second team you can't say enough about David what he played through um, second consecutive year he's played in all 16 games was only one snap behind Billy Turner for the most offensive snaps played in 2019 the fifth time in seven years that he played in every game for Green Bay has been an important piece of this offense and, and obviously a very valued member of that locker room and the first time for him that the Pro Bowl and the All-Pro recognition they, kinda, they, they kind of match up yeah. finally yeah. Uh, it, uh, things are fi- things are uh, finally straightening out here for Bakhtiari when it comes to the awards and honors the, well you know he was able to get in in 16 as a first alternate right as and an then alternate. that was his first Correct. year as all pro but last Correct. year he gets first team all first pro for team the first all time. pro yeah no pro Bowl, not a pro bowler yeah. is what it is okay. but that's the way the process works and fortunately for david obviously getting the accolades this season yeah well another big piece of news that we found out late in the day on thursday and I know you're very happy about this. I'm happy about it as well. But I know you have a, a special place in your heart for this one. What I'm talking about, of course, is that former Packers safety Leroy Butler, for the first time, has advanced to the finalist stage after three cracks at the, in the semifinalist arena, so to speak. He has now finally advanced to the finalist stage for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He is one of the 15 modern era finalists that will be whittled down to a maximum size class of five when the selection committee meets over Super Bowl weekend. And uh, this is this is just fantastic. Yeah, the, the, the no process doubt. is finally starting to work in Butler's favor. And this is good for him. Who knows if it'll be this year, any other year, whatever. But he's gotten to the next step. And uh, hopefully at some point here, he will take that final step and get into Canton. Well, you can go back, and we we, do, we talked about it. I obviously was very passionate and emotional about it. And, and again, I wasn't sitting here trying to push this down people's throats. Like, Leroy Butler needs to be in the Hall of Fame right now. This is a travesty. This is injustice. And while, I mean, I certainly believe he is will, is capable, uh, worthy of the honor, Yeah. I just wanted to see him in this final 15 because for people at home that don't know how this works – all this balloting up to this point is just done amongst the voters wherever they are. Yeah, it's checking, off, it's checking off boxes, making your picks, and sending them in. Yeah, so yeah. it isn't until this final 15 where these guys will actually get to, and ladies, excuse me, will all get together and debate 
uh, present cases for why these guys should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 14 years now into his eligibility, Leroy Butler has never had that opportunity to have Pete Doherty or Cliff Crystal, whoever it is, kind of state his case for the Hall of Fame. I just feel like it's a really important message to hear because if you hear it, I think people are going to understand what this guy meant to Green Bay, what he meant to Fritz Schirmer's defense, and how he was doing a lot of things before those things were really cool. When when people still viewed the safety in more of the archaic sense of, well, they're just not good enough to be cornerbacks. No, it's bigger than that. And if you know why Leroy Butler ended up going to safety and the decisions that played into that, you would understand. Yeah. So I, I just I'm really happy that he gets this opportunity now for Pete Doherty to stand in front of the, the, the room the day before the Super Bowl and state, okay, this is why this guy is here and this is why he deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I hope he gets in but I'm just saying, just to be able to have that conversation is very important. Yeah, I agree. I think for those who have followed have followed the story and are, are obviously hoping for Butler to get in, regardless of what happens on Super Bowl weekend, you know, don't be discouraged if he doesn't make it because what he did now this year, getting to the final stage, is a is a huge step in the right direction. Because just as an example, another safety who's a finalist, John Lynch. Yeah, this is his seventh time as a finalist, and he has yet to get in. I'm not saying that Butler is going to be a finalist that many times, or it's going to take that long. I really don't know. But just if, if he doesn't get in this first time being a finalist, don't think like, oh, all hope is lost. It's never going to happen. He's he's taken another step in this process that is very important. And, and I'll just say, we, you and I were talking about it yesterday when we got the news. There are four safeties now that are finalists in this group of 15. John Lynch, Steve Atwater, Troy Polamalu is a uh, first ballot. This is his first year to be eligible for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He's a finalist as well as Butler. So the fact that there are four safeties out of the 15, that probably doesn't bode well necessarily for Butler's chances this year. And we're even talking also when you look at next year, uh, a few first ballot guys across the league, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson are all going to be eligible for the first time in 2021. That's going to be a tough modern era class of five to crack if all three of those guys get in on the first ballot. But the fact that Butler has gotten to this stage now, it bodes well for these last, essentially he's got about a decade now where he'll still be in this modern day process before he would have to resort to the senior committee. The fact that he's got this 10 years now where he's made finalist for the first time is uh, is a really good sign. Yeah, and for people that don't really know what this means at home, you get 25 years after the time in which you've played to have a window to be a modern era candidate. So 25 well, years from when you're eligible. When you're eligible, right? Five which is, years which after is five years play. after Thank retirement. You. Yeah. So yeah. It, there I am making things even making. <laughs> Muddy water it is, even it's hard to, It is hard to keep track of all the numbers, though. But, but this yes. is why it's kind of important as it relates to Butler because this is year 14 for him. He has 11 more years to get in as a modern-era finalist. So one goes back to a conversation I've had with him several times. He knows, he feels like he'll get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame at some point. The question was whether it can be in that 25-year window or if it would be as a senior nominee down the line. Yeah. This, at least in my mind, based on the precedence that the Pro Football Hall of Fame voters typically have, 
Um, this at least I think puts him in that in this next eleven years he could he could really make it. I, I think he could too. I, because I think this is this is fantastic news that he's that he's gotten this far, and as I say, he's he's got that a whole decade yes. now to uh, continue in this modern era process to get a shot. Because as you said, next year there's going to be a lot of first ballot Hall of Famers. How many exactly? We'll find that out then. But that'll eat into the five. This year isn't like that. I think you're going to see a couple of these guys that have been in the logjam get that opportunity to slide through, and every year is going to be different. Yeah. So yep. for Leroy to at least be in that 15 now, it opens up that window. I think it makes his visibility a lot better. And again, if he's on that list once, it makes it a lot more likely that he makes it again. He went 10 years without being a semifinalist. Once he made semifinals, he went three years without being a finalist, and now he is being able to crack that top 15. It's a it's a ladder it's, yeah. a, it's a process, and fortunately for Leroy, it seems like he's one step closer. Yeah, and to his credit, he's he's showed plenty of confidence, plenty of patience. He 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 really believes his day is coming, and I think that's fantastic yeah. that he's able to take that approach and that attitude to something that is that is so important and really the the pinnacle of recognition of your career. Yeah, and he's epitome of class talking to NFL Network on Thursday night after they interviewed him when this was announced and he said he's up against three other safeties and he said they're not only amazing players they're amazing people I mean Steve Atwater you can talk to anybody in Denver I mean yeah he's held in such high esteem out there certainly John Lynch you know his character and Troy Polamalu who's I think one of the favorites for this year's class a lot of yeah, you know, Polamalu being a defensive player of the year yes. in 2010 the year that Clay Matthews was runner-up when uh, those two teams Packers and Steelers were playing in the Super Bowl yeah so there is a competition there but there's also a mutual respect and you know, as I said the last time we had this debate on the show, Mike, I hope they all get in. I hope Atwater and Lynch yeah, get in. Yeah, I, I do too. I just wanted Butler to be seen on an equal playing field with them, and this year I feel like he's getting that chance. Yeah, I think so. All right, uh, quickly, Wes, some sponsor business. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com, Cousin Subs. We believe in better. Okay, Wild Card Weekend is upon us. The two AFC games are Saturday. The two NFC games are Sunday. Real quickly, just to outline again for Packers fans, if the New Orleans Saints beat the Minnesota Vikings, New Orleans will be coming to Lambeau Field. If the Minnesota Vikings knock off the Saints down in the Superdome, the Packers will get the winner of the Seahawks-Eagles game. But starting with Saturday, the two AFC games, you have Buffalo traveling to Houston and Tennessee traveling to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. What are your initial thoughts here on these first two AFC playoff games? My initial thoughts is I'm going to be busy on Saturday afternoon. It's my wife's birthday, so I don't oh. know if I'm actually going well, to be able birthday, to. Happy birthday, Caitlin. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to watch that one. Okay. Um, but that second one is actually my that's my favorite one of this weekend. I. I'm really interested to see how Tennessee looks in this. You've had to read about it in Inbox this week when you've been editing me. I, I just think the way that Tannehill has performed this year, how consistent he's been, Derrick Henry is an absolute beast. And I really, since the very beginning of this season, I like Mike Vrabel's defensive scheme a lot. I think it's one of the best in the NFL right now. And, and we've we've seen we've seen these coaches from the Belichick tree at certain times, yeah. get the best of Bill Belichick's Patriots. Matt Patricia's Lions did it. Brian Flores did it last week. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> I mean, so that that's that's another intriguing thing here. But I am totally with you on Derrick Henry because I looked this up and put this in inbox uh, this morning. For all of the top high rankings that the Patriots defense has, and that unit has a bunch of them, 
There's one that sticks out that's not in the top 10, and it's average yards per carry allowed to opposing running games. They're like 14th, which isn't bad. But all of their other defensive rankings, they're first in this and fifth. I think they're sixth in total rushing yards allowed. But that 14th in yards per carry, it just, to me, it seems if if Tennessee can stay in this game, because the Patriots, they put up, they put up points. They've had their share of yeah. blowout wins. They get teams that aren't going to run the ball that much. So, but if Tennessee can stay in this game and get Derrick Henry going, and you know, and make it make it a four quarter game where they get to feed Derrick Henry for four quarters, I think Tennessee has a great chance to uh, to knock off the Patriots on the road here. Yeah, and the, and the Patriots. This is why it's a compelling matchup for me. Is the Patriots? This is a gut check for them. That is a demoralizing loss. I mean, you and I were talking yeah. earlier this week about the difference between the Packers playing Detroit down to the wire and what happened with New England ultimately losing that game. The Patriots are playing this week. The Packers are resting themselves. So yep. this is a this is a difficult situation to be in right now. And seeing how Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the rest of that team rebounds from it, it's going to be interesting because if you look at the statistics since last year when Matt LaFleur, as offensive coordinator, turned the keys to the backfield over to Derrick Henry – the production has been there for this offense, and now that Tannehill's the one that's actually behind center, it's been a big difference. Yeah, do you think this is the year that uh, Buffalo chalks up a playoff victory? They've had you know a couple of playoff appearances here off and on. Yeah, do you think they uh, you think they go into Houston and get and get the W? Well, this is the other side of it too, right? I mean, the the big thing with Houston has been they they've been able to make these playoff runs, but they haven't been able to go very far. Right. So there's a lot on the line for both right. of these teams. Yeah, I really like Josh Allen. I'm a big fan of his. I think the way that he plays the game, Buffalo understands his strengths and they play to that. Uh, I, I think, you know, with the emergence this year with that backfield and, and being able to mix things up with Singletary a little bit, I see him as kind of a building block for the future. I do like it. The question is, though, is which Texans team are you going to get? Yeah, J.J. Not- Watt coming off yeah. of injured reserve and all of that, uh, you know, to – to help out with their defense, and and I I, re- I saw Buffalo essentially two games this year: the Thanksgiving game that they had at Dallas, and then that Sunday night game they had at Pittsburgh. I thought they were really for road for you know road contest. I thought they were really really impressive in pulling out both of those victories. So they're not going to be uh, they're not going to shy away from being on the road in a noisy place and all that in Houston. No, on Saturday yeah, and like I said, I would watch it if I could. I'm just going to be a little busy, but I mean, you know, Micah Hyde, the defensive players that they have there, it's a good defense that Sean McDermott has as well and seeing who pulls through it that is gonna be interesting to watch all right Sunday Vikings at Saints and then Seahawks at Eagles obviously these are the games that will determine Green Bay's opponent what do you think of Minnesota going into the Super an interesting playoff rivalry here when you go back to the 2009 NFC title game at the Superdome and then that divisional round game a couple of years ago at U.S. Bank Stadium um one going to overtime, the other one coming down to the miracle play on the on the last play of the fourth quarter. So uh, these two teams meet again in January. Here we go. It's like honorary division rivals almost <laughs> the way that this has worked out with those two. I, the, the angle I love about this game is that Mike Zimmer said it earlier this week, everybody's just giving – the Vikings no chance to win yeah. this game. Yeah, the the narrative is the same. There's no there's no way they can go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. But I teams don't. have this year, and some pretty average teams have done it. So and Minnesota is a team that they rested their guys. They yeah. took Week 17 as a bye week. They're trying to get healthy, obviously, with some key guys: Dalvin Cook, Eric Kendricks. 
all of that. Um, I, I think this is going to be a really, really interesting football game. Yeah, and I, I just the, – the one chance I think Minnesota really has in this thing is if their defense plays well, they limit the underneath passing game and, and don't allow Elvin Kamara to get going early. And then defensively, you know – or I should say offensively on their side of things, how does Kirk Cousins look against the Saints defense? Yeah. Because you, I think Delvin Cook is good enough even against a good run front. He's going to be able to get his yards. What do they do off of that? Can they get yeah. the play action going? Can they do that inside the Superdome? There's a lot to like about that matchup. Yeah, when I think about the Minnesota defense, we saw them get worn down in the second half against the Packers in that Monday night game in Week 16. They do have a lot of guys on that defense who have been around a yeah. while. They're not young players anymore but they were able to kind of take the week off in week 17, you know, rest up, recharge. I think Minnesota's defense will uh it, it, they're counting on looking like the defense they they planned on being all along. Seattle at Philadelphia. This is actually a regular season rematch. Seattle won at Lincoln Financial Field earlier this season. I think both teams in a way kind of in a different place right now. Though certainly the Eagles are with uh, the way they finished the regular season, knocking off the Cowboys, then getting the Week 17 victory they needed to get into the postseason. And the Eagles at 9-7, and seven, they're that team where we're saying, hey, it is a brand-new slate. Yeah. Here we go. Let's see if we can make another run like they did a couple years ago. And it has to be on Russell, Russell Wilson's shoulders. It really does. Watching the, all of that San Francisco game and seeing what they're dealing with right now in their backfield, I think Homer has a little bit of explosiveness that can help them. Certainly, Marshawn Lynch showed he still had some hops on the goal line, but let's be honest, Mike, this is going to be up to Russell Wilson to guide this team as long as they can go with the injuries that they've had to weather and how this season has played out for them. It has to be him. He has to play well for them to go far in this postseason. As far as the Eagles are concerned, it's funny. I think Carson Wentz is about as underrated as you can get for a guy that was a top pick. Yeah. I just feel like he doesn't quite get the respect he deserves for how he's really pulled Philadelphia through this season and this, and this is interesting because he wasn't a part of the playoff run from yeah. a couple years ago obviously this it is was all chance. Nick Foles so this is this is Carson Wentz introducing himself to the playoff world so yeah. to speak and it's in that like I said with Wilson having to kind of guide Seattle through the injuries they've had Carson Wentz I mean the Eagles offense has had as bad a luck as any team in the NFL this season specifically at their receiver position Jordan Howard sounds like he's getting healthy again, yeah, though. that'll be important. Could be t potentially in the cards for them. I thought before his injury he was playing really well, was getting into a groove, had sort of solidified himself as the number one back. Certainly Miles Sanders is there as well. It's going to be a good matchup because I think it's going to be tough for both of these teams to mount a big run because of just how banged up they've been. But I think they both showed a lot of grit these last weeks of the season to put themselves in a position right now to have this opportunity. Well, I will be sitting there at my house on Sunday with my computer open because if New Orleans wins, I'll be quickly writing something <laughs> to put up on our site that the Saints are coming to Lambeau Field. And if the Vikings win, then I'll be ready for when the Seahawks-Eagles <laughs> game ends to get that story up on the website as to uh, the Packers' next opponent. But it should be a fun weekend of football. Hey, what's up with the AFC on Saturday and NFC on Sunday? People have been asking me about that. I yeah, I, I, answered, I, answered a question, I answered a question in Inbox about this. I think it started, I think it kind of started with the fact that because the league knew the NFC West loser from that Sunday night game in Week 17 yeah. was going to have to travel cross-country, essentially, to Philadelphia, they gave Philadelphia the late Sunday afternoon oh, slot. Okay. They gave them the, the latest possible slot to be fair to those two NFC West teams that got flexed into that Sunday sure. night game. That makes so sense. From, you know, but then from there, I think it's kind of uh, – I think a lot of it just has to do with 
with aiming for the ratings and whatnot. And so they wanted the way the way things fell with the Saints, uh, the Saints not getting the first round by and playing in the opening round that then they wanted the Patriots in the Saturday night Makes slot sense. for uh, for the ratings and whatnot. I think that's I think that's just kind of how it happened. But it is it is a little odd to do to have the conferences on separate days instead of kind of the mix and match deal. Keep it fun. Yeah. It'll be a fun weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and there's all kinds of great video content out there on the Packers YouTube channel. For Wes, I am Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.